Proverbs, um, I'm going to make a quick pass through Proverbs. Today's the first, so I chose verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. So today is the fifth, it's actually the final week um, in a five-week series that I've been working on called How Do We Follow Jesus in a Facebook-Centered World. And uh, today I want to talk about how we find rest for our souls. And I, I think so many of us are tethered to, you know, to these devices in our pockets. And um, how do we find spiritual rest with all this that's going on? So I want to start this very important last message in the series with a, a quote from an all-time classic movie, Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> where at the end, Kip at his wedding is singing or he's, he's, he's quoting this poem to La Fonda. And if you've seen the movie, you'll know this. He says, quote, We met in a chat room. Now our love can fully bloom. Wow, this is wonderful, isn't it? Okay. Sure, the world wide web is great, but you, you make me salivate. Yes, I love technology, but not as much as you, you see. But I still love technology, always and forever. Now, I have to apologize to you. There's 45 seconds of your life you're never going to get back. It's gone. And I do relate to those lines a little bit, not so much the setting. I love, I love technology. I mean, it's, I love all the amazing things that it does. I mean, I've got multiple Bible verses on my, my iPhone, and I've got this wonderful Bible study software, software that makes my life go easier, and I've got news feeds, and I've got you know, books that I read, I've got a Kindle, and you know, I do all these things, and technology grinds away, and I've got a little machine that tracks my steps. I could tell you right now how many steps so far today and how many active minutes, and I'll look at it later. It doesn't have to be done right now, I suppose. And all this music that I like to listen to, and it kind of goes over. I love technology. But at the same time, I have this kind of love and hate relationship with technology. I mean, I love it for all the obvious reasons, but I hate the fact that a little bit too often, I become a slave to it. I mean, I mean, social media makes a great servant, but it makes a terrible master. Terrible master. I hate how sometimes it owns me. And um, the Apostle Paul... He's talking to the, the, the church, the, the, the people who live in Corinth, and we see this in, in the book of 1 Corinthians 6. And, and the deal was these people were really, they had a grasp for the idea of, of grace, good grasp on that, in fact, too much. And they were into all kinds of sinful practices. They, had all kind, they were taking all kinds of crazy liberties. And uh, Paul is kind, kind, kindly trying to address this on behalf of the living God. And he's explaining that just because we're allowed to do some things, we shouldn't just do them because we can, because we get grace. That, that's just not a good way to read. And he's quote, he's, he says, and this is a quote, he says, I have the right to do anything. He's actually quoting them. Well, we can do whatever we want. So he's quoting them. Yes, you have the right to do anything. But then he says, but I will not be mastered by anything. He's saying, all things are in my power, but I'm not going to be brought under the power of anything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this, this, this verse reminds me, at least, of the power of Christ in me. Is It should be bigger than anything else in my life. It really should be bigger. I, I'm not to be mastered by an addiction to food, and, and sometimes I am, and I'm not to be mastered by looking at something inappropriate or mastered by social media or all of the things that we struggle with. 
And quite often, I, I, I know that sometimes I pull this thing out of my pocket. Sometimes it's just beeping and chirping and mastering me. And, you know, today, I think this is really, it really can be a serious issue for a lot of people. I mean, some of you, this is not going to apply to you. You have no troubles when it comes to technology. I mean, I know, I know some of you, I mean, it's not that big a deal, and this isn't going to step on your toes. But for a lot of us, this, um, you know, we're a little bit mastered. We're a little bit too much drawn to, um, too much addicted to, or maybe, you know, we're just compulsively checking. <laughs> You know what's what's going on? It's it's now becoming woven into our fabric, and it's becoming a habit, and maybe even a default response to idle moments. We pull out our phone and we let it interrupt what we're doing, and we get distracted, and off we go. So I I don't know if this is true about you or not, but I'm going to help you because I've figured out maybe some of the top ten signs that maybe you're addicted to social media. So, um, and if you don't like these, talk to Lisa later, because these are her fault, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 the number 10 reason that you might be addicted to social media is you actually have posted things like you're brushing your teeth, <laughs> or you have found a penny, or you're eating your lunch. Such unusual events as that you actually have posted that you've ever brushed your teeth. Okay. Number nine, you might be addicted, is if you think that your world is over if you have no internet access. Hey, how many bars do you have? I, I, do, you have do you have internet? I, I can tell that's, nobody's going to admit it, but that's common. You might actually, here's another, number, number eight, you might actually believe other people understand your cool terms, such as BRB, CMI, and LOL. You might actually believe people think they understand that. Here's another sign you might be addicted. Number seven, you like your own content. You go on there and you check like for your own content just to run your content. Here's another sign you might be addicted. You actually announced your pregnancy on Facebook rather than telling your family and close friends in person. <laughs> I hear groans in them. Here's another sign you might be addicted. You actually accidentally signed your marriage certificate with your Twitter handle instead of your actual name. It's happened. Here's another sign. You actually view a restroom visit as a social media opportunity. Oh, good. I can get back on Facebook while I sit here. Okay, whatever. I don't <laughs> let that, that go. The number two reason why you might be addicted is you actually created a Facebook account for your pet cat, Donatella, and its parrot pal, Josh Lyman. Some of you know who Donatella and Josh Lyman are. Who knows who Josh Lyman is? Just my family. Thank you. You are such wise and wonderful people. Okay, that bombed crazy. Okay. And the number one reason, did I skip? I skipped one, of, I skipped one didn't I? Oh. Did it go by? Okay. All right, well, here's the number one reason. This might actually be you. Okay. <laughs> so... Seriously, you may actually have a problem with this, though, if you find yourself too often looking at your phone rather than the people that you're actually sitting with. You know, I've been talking about this for five weeks, and now I'm self-conscious about it. I feel like if something happens when I'm with somebody, I can't actually look to see, just in case it's the president who wants to talk to me. You know, <laughs> so, um, but I mean... But if it's a habit, if it's constant, you might actually have some problems here. When, when um, anytime it bings and it clicks and it chirps, 
you feel like you can't help because you just got to know what it's about. You just got to know. And there's actually now a, a real true blue phobia that doctors um, have started dealing with, and it's a serious problem. It's called nomophobia. Sounds like a joke. That's not a joke. Nomophobia. And it's just exactly what it sounds like. It's a fear of being out of mobile phone contact. Nomophobia is an actual condition. It was a, it, the, the, the term has been coined, was coined in 2010 by a, a, British, a British study. And uh, it came up with some interesting numbers. 53% of people in the United Kingdom, 66% in the United States, become anxious when they lose they, their cell phone or their battery goes dead or there's no network. I mean, seriously anxious. Okay, I'll define what that means in just a minute. And, and if you're in the ages of 18 to 24, that number jumps to 76%. More than three out of four young people have anxiety problems when their battery goes dead. It isn't like, oh, drat. It's, okay. Um, and, and men, a little bit higher in anxiety about this than women. That's counter, counterintuitive to me. How much anxiety? Okay, the, the, the study puts this, the anxiety, anxiety we're talking about at the same level as wedding day jitters, which is also on the same level as a trip for a root canal. So you're considering it. Three-fourths of you are considering losing your cell signal at the same level anxiety of having a root canal. Okay, That's nomophobia. It's a condition that's growing. I didn't make that up. I mean, I, 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 when I first read this, I thought, okay, really? Come on. I mean, not me. Not me. And then I was reminded by the Lord. You know, I'm doing my studies, and the Lord does not let me sit at my, ta- my, my desk in hypocrisy. Says, yeah, yeah, you. And he reminded me, like, when I was working on this, like a week earlier, I had been, I'd, I'd gone into this mall. And uh, I don't know about you, but my cell phone goes in the same pocket it's always in. Okay, and then I, now at this age, I've got reading glasses just in case I need to read something that go in this pocket. I got my cell phone over here, and um, I was in this mall, and um, I reached down for my phone. It's not there, and then I'm thinking, "Where's my phone?" And I, I literally felt this adrenaline dump in my body. Have you been there before? I felt this adrenaline dump, and I'm thinking, "I hope it's in my car." What's going on? I mean, and it's not only in my car. It's sitting in my car. Someone could be breaking into my car and stealing my phone. <laughs> now, I'm at the other end of the mall, and I got a couple things. I could run back all the way down there and come back all the way down here. It's extra time. And I was 30 minutes without my cell phone. And I'm telling you, I kind of thought about having a root canal. I don't know. I just was, I, I was disconnected. And you know what? When I realized my own reaction, it kind of disheartened me a little bit. It's like, Terry, come on. It's going to be okay. And now here are some statistics that are a little bit staggering. 58% of people don't go a single hour without checking their phone for contact. One hour. The majority of people go less than an hour. (laughs) Okay. 59% of people check their email as soon as it comes in. You've got it set up so that if you get an email, it goes bling in your pocket so you can immediately check it. 59%. Here's here's another one. 89% of you check your email every day, even when you're on vacation. Guilty. Well, more than once. Teenagers. Sorry, it's a statistic. 80% of you sleep with your phone. (laughs) 
You need help. You need counseling. You need Jesus. <laughs> I do too, okay? So don't sleep with my phone, but I need help and counseling in Jesus, apparently. Um, 84, 84% of people have, have decided, and, and, and basically in the study said, they could not go one day without their phone. It's like a challenge. Can you go a day without your phone? 84% have said, no, I'm not even going to try, because I think I would flip out. You know, I, I think through um, the way that the instant contact that happens through media, how it's affected me personally, and I realized I've had to learn some new skills. And um, I'm, some of them I've actually been taught by my wife. You know, um, there was a recent evening where Lisa got an email, and she, she happens to do her email typically later at night as well as every hour, I think, according to the statistics. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, so she got this, 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 this an email, and we get emails from people, and they, things are going on, and people need help and stuff like that, and you would expect that. And she got one one night. It was like at 10.30 at night. And um, I didn't find out about it until the next day because she made an intentional decision. This is going to upset Terry. He's going to want to do something about it. There is nothing he can do at midnight so I'm just going to let it sit and tell him in the morning. Very wise, thank you, by the way, on your part to do that. But I mean, it's, it's an attempt to overcome this incessant need to stay instantly and immediately in contact and do something right now. Just, it's, it was, it was, it's just this problem, and it's growing. And here's what happens to so many of us. I think we have lost our ability to just shut down. For so many people, when there's nothing going on at any given moment, what do we do? We pick it up, our fingers start sliding over it, and we start just, you know, burning time, doing whatever it is that we do, looking at whatever, because that's become our default. When there's just a lull for a moment or two, grab it, see what's going on. And what's happening is we're losing our ability for our minds. Our minds are not shutting down and resting. We're constantly distracted. We, 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 we don't... We have these long stretches where, where there's something that beeps or clicks, and we're always running constantly, constantly, constantly running. And sometimes we're overwhelmed, and we don't know why. And maybe we're short with our children, or short with our wives, or our husbands, or our friends, and we don't know why. And spiritually, we feel exhausted, and we don't know why. And we long for something better. Yet we keep going back to the same things that we're doing, and we're not finding it there. And I think that virtually everyone will agree that sometimes you need your body, you have need for physical rest. I'm going to argue that our souls need rest too. Our souls need to be disconnected from the bing, 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 chirp, bing, bing, bang, whatever your phone does. We need to be disconnected long enough to find some peace and some solitude, long enough to, to get in the presence of God, to, to you know, the one who created us, to know him, to build a thriving relationship with him, walk daily with him, intimate, ongoing relationship with the king, rather than being wrapped up all the time in what's going on in somebody else's life. So I want you to please hear me. I mean, I love technology. I, for sure I do, always and forever, okay? I'm, 
uh, just with Kip on that. But I, and I think that we will use it. We use it as the church. It does a lot of good, you know. But I don't want to be mastered by anything. Christ in me is bigger than any addiction that would want to kind of hook up. Christ in you is bigger than any addiction that might be gaining traction in your life. So if you find yourself constantly connected with, constantly with this low-grade frustration, I want to tell you that God has a special rest for you in Christ. And that it's available to your soul, and it's available now. Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11. A great passage that talks exactly about this. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Some of you people need to understand that that there's a special rest away from everything that draws you in. A special rest waiting for the people of God. Verse 10, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested. By the way, that's a verb. It's something you do. It's not something that happens to you. Um, Rest from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So what do we do? By the power of Christ, verse 11 says, so let us do our best to enter that rest. Let us do our best to enter into the special rest that God has for our souls through his son, Christ. So why don't we find this rest that we're looking for and that we're longing for? Um, St. Augustine, um, here's a famous quote that he said about God. Um, This is a guy who lived about the year 400. He was a theologian and and um, he's considered a saint in the Catholic world, and he, it's, he's so commonly referred to as St. Augustine that that's how people refer to him. You're saints, too, if you were a son or a daughter of the king, by the way. Um, but anyway, famous quote, he says, God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it rests in you. Some of you, this captures exactly where you are. You know, your, your soul has been restless for so long, and, and you've been looking for something that that brings satisfaction or meaning or helps with relationships or, or fills this void inside of you, something that makes you feel significant, something that makes you feel purposeful in life, you have this Christ-shaped void. Nothing but Christ will fill that void. There is nothing that, but Christ, and our soul is restless until it finds Christ. And I love what Jesus says about this topic. He says in Matthew 11, Verse 28, 29, he, he broadcasts this invitation to everybody. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When you come to him and you're weary and you're burdened and overwhelmed, he says, come to Jesus, come to him now. He says, come to him by faith, and he's going to give you rest. He says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. There's a special rest for us through Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Well, we're wrapping up the end of a five-part series, and this is kind of where the rubber meets the road in a series like this, you know, where there's an opportunity for application, and you do what God is leading you and speaking to your soul about doing, or you just keep on with life and you go on doing nothing different and you don't change and you don't make any changes at all. How do we rest in God? Two thoughts that are a little practical and uh, can be, they can be life-changing if you will decide to just see what they'll do in your life. And I encourage you to f- learn this first discipline. One, be still. Learn to disconnect and be still in the presence of God. Just learn to just be still. 
let it breathe. There's something restful. David's talking about this in Psalm 46. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and focus on God. Have you ever been around a little child that just could not be still? You know, you know, you have a kid like that. Maybe you're married to a kid like that. Just, you know, you just, you just want to say, hey, sit down and be still. You know, but sometimes you just have to say that to your own soul. Chill, Terry. Breathe in, breathe out. I remember my father, um, you know, when I was in, when I played basketball, I would get fouled and I would want to get up there and shoot a free throw and I would be all <laughs> anxious. And my father says, okay, from now on, when you go to the foul line, I want you to get yourself in your spot, dribble the ball once, take a deep breath. Not like that, but... Free throw percentage went way up because I just took a moment to chill. Be still. And that's what David's talking about in Psalm 131. He says, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Notice that he did this. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't because he had three text messages and two Facebook likes that, that caused him to be still. This was a choice that he made in spite of what was going on. And then he, he says, like a weaned child, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. What an amazing illustration to use there. Now, for a guy, I understand the concept of being weaned. Not like maybe you mothers do. And so I, this, this was an opportunity for the, one of the grandmothers of all rabbit trails for me. And I went down one, and I'm going to take you briefly on one, but I'm not going to go as far as the potential here. But this process of weaning is a magical process. Think about the wisdom of God. Um, first off, the ability of mammal mothers, human mothers, to nourish their children what a beautiful thing. And if, that's, if you've had the opportunity, the blessing to do that, um, it's, it's something I admire. And if you haven't, you shouldn't feel bad. It's just one of the parts of creation. And God is so wise with creation. And the process of weaning is so much more than biology and nourishment. Because God is so wise. I mean, I'm thinking about, well, God, why did you design it the way it happens? I mean... What if weaning was never invented? Okay, now you see what I mean by a rabbit trail, right? Okay, you're now 42 and you've got to go to a business lunch, so you set up a business lunch meeting with all your business associates and you've got to arrange it so that your moms can be there too? No, God never intended. God never intended for your mother to be your nourishment your whole life. There's a point where God intended for every person to start finding nourishment for themselves, making choices about what they will allow into their, their body. and their, So there, there's something here about it, but there's something even more majestic and important about weaning a child than that change of bio, biological nourishment. When a child gets fed every time they want it, on their demand, they become the center of their universe. And that character 
flaw is one of the first things that a loving God wants to refine out of every son and daughter. And so when a child learns to stop needing his mother only for food and begin to, to show affection for a mother because of the relationship and the office instead of the nourishment alone, it's a wonderful thing. In fact, in Hebrew tradition, in, in, in the times that this, was, that this was written by David, they actually, when a child became weaned, they actually had a feast. Not because the child was going to love the meat, you know, but because there was something profoundly important that had just happened in a child's life. To be weaned from something, weaned from becoming the center of the universe, weaned from something that feeds them that's no longer healthy to continue feeding them. It's a big spiritual moment. It's a breakthrough for a child. And that's what David's talking about when he talks about the skill set of stilling of, of calming ourselves, of saying to ourselves, be still and know that I am God. It's like being weaned. We have to do it. You have to rise to this. You have to rise to the place where you'll say, I have to wean myself from some of the stuff here that feeds parts, feeds things in me that just aren't good for me. And then they're not good for the people around me. I have to be weaned. I mean, I know people who, um, the workaholic type of people, who have, um, of which I'm a little bit of one, um, but some who have, have gotten to the point where they actually needed counseling because they just can't seem to get on top of, of their type A workaholic personality. And um, you know, their, their therapists have told them that their body and their mind has become addicted to adrenaline. Got to have something going on, a crisis all the time. That adrenaline's feeding something in me. And, and one of the treatments for this, this addiction to, to adrenaline, I heard this from one guy, Spend five minutes a day and do nothing. Five minutes. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Five minutes. Don't, don't talk to anybody. Don't think about anything. Don't. Just be still. In our context, we say be still before God. And I'd be thinking, wait a minute. I don't have time to do nothing for five minutes. I mean, five minutes, are you crazy? I that's stupid. It's, it'd be easy enough if I wanted to, but I'm not going to do it because it's stupid and I don't have the time to do that. <laughs> Listen, you think it's easy, you try it. The phone will beep. What phone? No, you're not going to do that. You're, the phone's going to beep. You're going to be thinking, what happened? What did I miss? What's going on? Maybe one of my friends has a coffee with a swirly in the top and there's a picture. <laughs> My mind starts racing. I got yard work to do. My grass looks terrible. I got to put round upon it so in a week or two I can kill it and replace it with new grass. And what am I missing? What am I going to cook for dinner? Do I have enough diapers for tomorrow? All these things that are going on in our minds. You just can't turn it off. But for five minutes, <laughs> still your soul. Have the discipline not to be mastered all the time with a default need to, to have to know, to look at what's going on out there. And by the power of Christ to simply be still, it's not easy. To, to be still and know that he is God, to contemplate the goodness of God, to, to just let it breathe and find the gift of solitude, of peace, of rest. You know, 
I'm just going to rest for five minutes, God. I bet you you can run the universe for those five minutes without me. And he can. He can. I'm just going to enjoy your presence, God. I'm just not going to ask you for anything. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to be still because all that stuff will be here five minutes from now. And I encourage you, give this a test this week. Five minutes. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Try it and see what happens. The second thing, is, and I think this is important if we're going to be able to be still, and that's this, is that to make a plan. Proverbs thirteen sixteen says, a wise man thinks ahead. So a wise man is going to make a plan and come up with an attack. A fool doesn't and even brags about it. Okay? Now, for some of you, you know, this scripture might put you into the category of being foolish. It could maybe be putting you there. Because you're thinking right now, hey, this is not that big a deal. I don't have a problem with this. Um, it's no big deal. But this problem can actually be hurting relationships in your life today. It could be. It could be hurting your intimacy with God. It could be distracting you from raising your children. It could be literally hurt your marriage over time. I mean, so make a plan. You, you, if there's a problem, acknowledge it. Call it for what it is. And, um, you know, I, 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 when I first came to Crossroads Church, actually before I was ever here, I had a meeting with the, the church council at the time. And uh, we were talking about the possibility of Lisa and me coming to pastor here. And, and um, I think that the church council members all had issues on their mind, things they were curious about, things they wanted to know. But the thing that I remember, the thing that I remember them initiating to, to talk about was, hey, um, you make sure you rest. I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of odd. Usually when you are in a prospective place where you're going to be employed and so forth or, or whatever leading. They're not curious about, are you going to make sure you take some time off? Have you heard that from anybody when you've gone for a job review? No, we make sure you take some time off. No, these guys were because they were smart and they had seen. Particularly pastors can sometimes have a way of feeling like they're supposed to solve everything, be everything, do everything, go everything. And they've watched. And if you've been in ministry for a while, you may have watched Ministry leaders burn themselves up and out, turn into toasty. And this they brought up, they said, you make sure that you rest. And in fact, we have, you know, there's one council member that I smile at because he regularly asks me this kind of, hey, how are you doing on rest? Have you taken rest? And uh, I know they all care that way, and it's, it's something, but make a plan. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I think that typically a plan needs to have both a defense and an offense. Sorry, but I'm a guy, and guys think in sports analogies, you've got to have a defense and an offense. Because we have to choose. We will not be mastered by anything. The power of Christ is greater in us than any addiction that wants to draw. draw. So the defensive side, I'm thinking, okay, maybe, I don't know what this plan looks like for you, but here's some possibilities, some suggestions, maybe just, just to get your juices flowing. You know, Maybe you just say, okay, no phone during our meal. Not going to answer the phone. Maybe you'd even turn it off. I don't know. Maybe, maybe with, between a husband and wife, you guys will conclude, okay, from 8 o'clock on, it's our time of the night, turning the phones off, and we're not going to turn it back on until 7 in the morning. Maybe you will have something, where, you know, do not disturb. Whatever your rule, whatever your defense that works for you, you just say, this is, this is going to work for us because we're not going to be mastered by the phone. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, for me, I occasionally do something like that. I'll, you know, I'll hand Lisa the phone and I'll say, okay, 
if one of my children calls me and you think, you know, something like that, then interrupt me. But anything else, unless somebody's head is literally on fire, I'm going to spend the next eight hours in my cave studying, preparing for a sermon or whatever I'm going to do. So you have to handle this, okay? And um, the other time we do that is when we're driving. I get text messages all the time. And of course, I'm not supposed to text and drive. So I've learned this default. If I'm driving, it goes it makes this really cool sonar sound. I got a great sonar sound. Anyway, but anyway, it makes this sound. And she knows that if I'm driving, it's coming out of my pocket. I'm not even going to look. You know what? You cannot pay for timing like that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, if you want to go ahead and take that call, we can just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, if you're in the back row and ter- terrorized by my reaction, you know, it's okay. Alec and I are friends, and this is kind of fun, you know, and I'm not mature enough. Oh, that literally happened to me one time when I was preaching, and I had my phone in my pocket, and my phone started ringing. And in the middle of it, I grabbed my phone out and threw it in the front row. My, my wife was in the front row, and I don't know what she did with it, but. Okay, so uh, I have no idea where I was. Okay, so, so, so if I'm driving and it, the tone goes off, I just hand it over to Lisa, and she knows she's going to respond to your text message to say, this is Lisa, Terry's driving, and I'll, she'll ask me what I want to say or whatever. But some of you have gotten texts like that re- 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 back from me. Don't text and drive, by the way. I was out for, the, out for a walk yesterday morning. This has nothing to do with Scripture. Out for the walk, and... In the stroller was my grandbaby, and a woman came around a corner, didn't stop, and turned cut pretty close to us, and was driving like this. Jeez. Get off that phone! This is my granddaughter! <laughs> you know, anyway, don't text and drive. Don't drink and drive. Just don't drive. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. For some of you, you just you might look at this and in all honesty and with seriousness go, I, I think I need a social media vacation. And you might just have to not open up Facebook for a month. I'm not telling you to do that. Maybe the Holy Spirit is. Facebook is not evil. But the abuse of it is destructive. I have a Facebook account. I'm not telling you not to have it. I'm just saying, get it into balance because it can master you. We need to you know, do what we need to do so that we're not mastered by things. So we have a defensive plan. Then we have an offensive plan. For me, I want my primary tool to be this. Time with this. And I don't do this every day, but I try fairly frequently to be in this first thing. Okay, I go to the bathroom first. First thing in the morning after getting up, Got to have some ability to focus, right? Spend a few minutes in the Word of God. The, the best offense is the Word of God. The Word of God. Let it build your soul. Let it renew your mind. It will transform you into the image of Christ. Scripture tells us not to be conformed to this world that we live in, but instead to be, re, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right there. That's how that happens. Some of you... Just you need to set a goal and say five minutes of solitude a day. Five minutes somehow where I'm just going to contemplate. Or, or maybe a consistent prayer time where you learn to be bathed in the presence of God. You just, 
you know, you, you, you pray without ceasing, you have this focused time of relationship and you intentionally seek after God. Maybe some of you, you need to cultivate a worshipful spirit. Maybe you find yourself being too negative, you're frustrated with people at work and you're always frustrated about this and about that and you see that in yourself. And the, the antidote to that is to cultivate a spirit of worship. God, you are great. God, you have cared for me. You love me. You lead me. You care about these people. These people that you came to save. Cultivate a spirit of worship and, and, and find different ways to give God praise. An offensive plan and, and lean towards God. Defense and offense. Whatever that means that will work for you. And, and I'm, I'm just encouraging you to think it out loud if you can and to get serious about it. And, and this is where we decide, are we going to do something with all this or are we going to continue to be mastered by it? Back to week one, we'll the quick review and we're going to be done here and pray. The first week we talked about the more we compare, the more discontented we become. So we need to distance ourselves from comparing and uh, that's how we find contentment. The week, second week, we talked about relationships, about how important it is to have our relationships face-to-face and not just thumb-to-thumb, right? And um, some of us are missing out on people that are right, right next to us or right in front of us, so we talked about relationships. The week three, we talked about being authentic because the more filtered our lives become, the more difficult it is for us to be authentic, and only Christ is able to remove that veil. Last, the last time we talked, we talked about, um, about how the more we are exposed to pain in this world, tragically, the less we're able to feel it. And um, it's um, true compassion. Just, it just requires some sort of action. I mean, it, to say that you care but to not act is the same as not caring. And so, um, you know, Scripture says that the way that the, the people out there will know that you are disciples of Christ is going to be by the way you love other people, particularly each other, and um, not based on how many likes or how many followers you have. And then, of course, today, we talked about the fact that we get spinning and we spinning and we can't shut down and we can't rest, rest and um, our default activity sometimes is, is harmful to us. And... Um, we can use technology, but we ought not be mastered by it. I have a brief video that I want you to watch. Did you know the average person spends four years of his life looking down at his cell phone? Kind of ironic, ain't it? How these touch screens can make us lose touch. But it's no wonder in a world filled with iMacs, iPads, and iPhones, so many eyes, so many selfies, not enough us's and we see. Technology has made us more selfish and separate than ever Cause while it claims to connect us Connection has gotten no better And let me express first Mr. Zuckerberg Not to be rude but You should reclassify Facebook to what it is An anti-social network Cause while we may have big friend lists So many of us are friendless all alone Cause friendships are more broken than the screens on our very phones We sit at home on our computers Measuring self-worth by numbers of followers and likes Ignoring those who actually love us It seems we'd rather write an angry post And talk to someone who might actually hug us Am I bugging? You tell me cause I asked a friend the other day Let's meet up face to face they said, all right, what time do you want to Skype? I responded with, OMG, 
SRS and then a bunch of SMHs and realize, what about me? Do I not have the patience to have conversation without abbreviation? This is the generation of media overstimulation. Chats have been reduced to snaps. The news is 140 characters. Videos are six seconds at high speed. And you wonder why ADD is on the rise faster than 4G LTE. But get a load of this. Studies show the attention span of the average adult today is one second lower than that of a goldfish. So if you're one of the few people who are aquatic animals that have yet to click off or close this video, congratulations. Let me finish by saying you do have a choice. Yes, but this one, my friends, we cannot autocorrect. We must do it ourselves. Take control or be controlled. Make a decision. Me? No longer do I want to spoil a precious moment by recording it with a phone. I'm just going to keep them. I don't want to take a picture of all my meals anymore. I'm just going to eat them. I don't want the new app, the new software, or the new update. And if I want to post an old photo, who says I have to wait until Thursday? I'm so tired of performing in the pageantry of vanity and conforming to this accepted form of digital insanity. Call me crazy, but I imagine a world where we smile when we have low batteries. Because that'll mean we'll be one bar closer to humanity. So here it is, a closing verse for us to wrap up. This is Jeremiah 6. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. What if there are some ancient ways that are actually higher than new technologies? Fasting. Prayer. And solitude. And seeking the goodness of God old technologies ask him ask where the good way is and then walk in it when you walk in God's ways you will find rest for your souls when uh, service concludes which is just going to happen momentarily I want you to know that there will be leaders up front who love God and love you and want to pray with you so if you want one on one personal prayer please, please don't pass that opportunity past. Um, by the way, you can share with them what you want them to pray about or not. It's up to you. I trust them. And so should you. So I encourage you if you want that. Um, I'm going to encourage you to be still and know that there's one who loves you. And he's more deserving of your worship than anything on this earth. Put him first. Seek him first. And scripture makes a promise. It says, then all these things will be added to you. The things you're, you're hoping and striving for. Seek God first. Be still and know that he is God. Lord, today, Lord, um, in your presence, we have some fun looking at the technologies that really have blessed us, that we enjoy. But we rec- readily acknowledge, Lord, that they can kind of take things over. And as much as you love us, You don't want us to be mastered by anything except our love for you. So, Lord, 
as you speak to us, some of us might even be defensive about this or protective, or maybe we've heard our parents and it seems like they're nagging us or our spouse is nagging us or whatever, and now our pride kind of wants to ruffle a little bit and not respond to your spirit. Lord, forgive us for that. I pray, Lord, that right now you would erase any ungodly emotion that lets us properly respond to your tender, loving spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that that you don't beat your children. You'll correct us, but you love us to wholeness. And in fact, not only do you not want the beatings of sin to be upon us, but you took them yourselves upon you, Lord Jesus. I'm so grateful. So grateful today for the cup of communion. So grateful today that I walk in the kind of grace that I do because of the love you chose for me and for every person here. And I'm grateful, Lord, that today, although we walk in grace, not everything that's available to us is good for us. So Lord, help us to find a balance that brings to us health. Help us to wean ourselves, to wean ourselves where it needs to happen. And I thank you for your faithfulness.